HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hot Dish Productions, an award-winning modern culinary production company. Learn more at hotdishproductions.com. This week on Meet and 3, we celebrate Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month with an episode about memory. I've always read and sort of approached cookbooks for more than the recipes. To me, they are full of narrative content and narrative value. So Malama Aina basically means to take care of the land. For us as Hawaiians, it's taking care of our older sibling. But I do remember like definitely feeling like self-conscious about it, like being the only one who kind of wasn't eating a sandwich and like didn't have a bag of goldfish or Lunchables. Listen to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Feed Feed Podcast. I'm Alexis Santos, a food editor at the Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Throughout season four of the Feed Feed Podcast, we will be trying to help you solve that daily question that we're all faced with, which is what's for dinner. Each week, we will be speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community who are a constant source of ideas and inspiration and help us get dinner on the table every night. Today, I am joined by Wallace Wong, aka at W26PackChef. Wallace is a professional chef, content creator, fitness enthusiast, cancer survivor, TV host, and so much more. <laughs> Find his amazing cooking videos on social media at W26PackChef. Thank you so much for being here, Wallace. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. Oh my goodness. So I know about you, but tell for those who don't, like what's your your kind of spark notes of your whole story? I know you have you have a very inspirational story as far as your your fitness journey, your cancer, you know, your cancer diagnosis and beating cancer and, you know, becoming a professional chef and working at some of the best restaurants, being on TV competition shows, you have like really an amazing story. So what's kind of like the high level spark notes of what your deal is for those who don't know? Yeah, so I guess high level spark notes is I am uh, I'm not your average chef. Let's start with that. So I'm I'm a professionally trained chef, Michelin starred. I'm also a fitness athlete, national level bodybuilder. Um, but I was diagnosed clinically obese as a kid. 
I was, I wore 38 size jeans. I was also like kid from like up. I looked like that kid. I'm waiting for my royalty check. And um, <laughs> I'm a kid from up. That's so honestly, I have a video, I have a photo of me in a orange oh young sweater that looks like that. You and, have to send that to me. That's hilarious. Yeah, 100%. And then um, I'm a cancer survivor, as you mentioned. So I had cancer my last year of high school. And that sort of was this big change in my life that sort of created who I am and what I am now, um, which is Six Pack Chef, which is really just my brand, but also the summary of myself and my personal life. So all things um, food, all things health and fitness, and all things lifestyle. Amazing. And so you've been on competition shows. You were on Chopped Canada, Top Chef Canada, and you've worked in some amazing restaurants. And I know, well, how would you describe your kind of um, your cuisine? I know you're Chinese in background, but you live in Canada. So I'm sure you take influences from a lot of different cuisines, right? Yeah, yeah. So actually, to answer that, it's more so going back to how I cook. So I actually don't cook with recipes. And I actually haven't worked in restaurants for about six to eight years now, if I'm not mistaken. It's it's that it's been that long. Wow. And um, everything I do now is literally I cook based on what's around me, what I have, what I don't have. So I now consider myself almost a freestyle chef. So like how an artist or a rapper can listen to a melody or a beat and start, you know, putting a cipher on or adding lyrics to it. I too with food. So when it comes to I see an ingredient or I'll see a theme. Then from there is where I start and create um, sort of my recipes and my dishes. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I love that comparison. Like, yeah, freestyle rapper, but like you're a freestyle chef. <laughs> Drop a beat. <laughs> That's so funny. So tell me about your kind of, I don't know a whole lot about your your family. Um, tell me about your family and like your culinary upbringing. I know you have kind of, you know, Chinese, I don't know, both of your parents are Chinese. So what's kind of the deal there? Yeah, so my family, um, they're all from Hong Kong. They're from Hong Kong, and so we're Cantonese, and I'm cool. first-generation born Canadian. Um, and food, honestly, was like the glue to my family. That's actually how I got into food. It was not because I wanted – I never wanted to be a chef. Um, I only got into food because that's how my family interacted on a daily basis. Growing up, our lunches and dinners were always together. So I lived with um, a full house, literally when I mean full house, like eight people, like oh my, I had my mom, my dad, my grandparents, my aunt, uh, my cousin, my brother. And so every day I was always around people. So we were always cooking and always um, enjoying each other's company. And we knew that when lunch was here or when dinner was here, no one made plans for that. You came and you were there. You would help also, you know, whether it's making dinner or setting it up or cleaning, Somebody, everybody did something. Wow. Yeah. So you were like, you were just like a well-oiled machine, like too many cooks in the kitchen, like <laughs> all the time. But what were some of the, like, what were some of the things they were making? I know you, you're really good at like dumplings, the family recipe there. Like what were some of the family recipes that you guys had growing up? Yeah. So honestly, if I have to think, because my grandparents were the ones that were always at home. So they would be the ones that sort of spearhead, I guess, if you want to call our house tasting menu of whatever we're going to cook that day. And, um, we ate a lot more seafood, a lot more seafood than meat, just cause my, my grandfather, he used to work on a ship when he was oh. in Hong Kong. So like we didn't eat a lot of meat. So growing up, a lot of fresh seafood was something I was very, very uh, accustomed to, you know, like fresh fish, learning how to butcher it, learning how to scale it, um, oh. seafoods, all of that. Yeah. I learned how to like, um, treat an eel 
pretty much faster than I knew how to like snowboard or or like ski. How old were you? I was like like low teens, low oh, teens. What? Yeah. You're like scaling eels. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So you so they kind of put you to work. Like you got like were they really were they professional? cooks or are they just it was just traditional recipes or like how did you get such formal training from them yeah so I guess the whole like it's my story or my family story is very similar to most immigrant stories is we came over uh, my family came over and the job was what helped bring them or sponsor them so actually my parents came over because they got a job at a restaurant Mm -hmm. and then so they grew up in restaurants and my dad was in sort of hotel management back in Hong Kong so I always grew up around food and my dad and my uncles, they worked in their own sort of restaurants. I grew up in like a, a fast, uh, fast food Chinese restaurant, which is like my guilty pleasure. Not going to lie, like yes. n- nuclear red sauce with some chicken balls and like some fried rice is, damn. but <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in those restaurants, um, I remember I would be like folding the, t- the orange and white takeout boxes um, you know, giving the pops to customers. So I was always around it. And because of that, I sort of just picked things up. But my family hated me being a chef. And it's been it was like a big giant like mountain to climb in the beginning, especially mm-hmm. because they've been in it. So my grandmother, she actually has this saying that I can never forget it, where she be she's like, if you ever want to have revenge on somebody send their loved one or significant other or that person into the food industry. And oh my God. Thing. <laughs> yeah. So that was it. Like, so when, when it comes to like cooking and, and sort of the background, my family had it, my family, like we've all been around it. We all cooked, worked in restaurants. We all grew up, but no one wanted us to ever do it because it's hard. It's so hard. But my gosh. So when did you start actually formally working in or like, did you, when did you go to culinary school? Like what was kind of like the culinary evolution there from folding the takeout boxes at, you know, your family's restaurants to working in Michelin starred restaurants? What was kind (laughs) of, what was that journey like? Yeah. So sort of how that whole whole, whole thing happened was in high school. So in high school over here in in Canada, um, we are allowed to choose like electives, right? some like elective courses. Mm-hmm. And one of the elective courses was um, cooking. We had cooking. Um, some people call it home ec. Yeah. I, my two electives that I got to choose were basketball and cooking. So those are my things. And yes. when I got in there, it was such an easy class, not because I'm saying I knew everything, but because a, in, in a way, sure, I knew a lot of the basics because obviously they teach you the basic things of health and safety, holding a knife. This is a, called an onion. This is called a shallot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the different things. Um, so I was always sort of ahead of the class because of that. And in um, in Canada, we have this competition called Skills. So Skills is this wor- a nationwide, and it's also international now, um, of skilled trades. So there was this cooking competition in high school. And I ended up doing it because I was like, I'd love to do it. The teacher's like, hey, you're really good, Wallace. You want to like try this out? So I did, and I made it to nationals as a high school student. Where, yeah, where I placed fourth, I believe, fourth or third. And then I remember, because I, I won every single round to get up there. So I, I was like first place three times, 
so regionals, provincials, and then went to nationals. So like when I lost, I was like really upset and we ended up just graduating. But when I graduated high school, I never wanted to be a chef. I actually went to business school. So we're going to backtrack here a little bit. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is a roller coaster ride. (laughs) My my life is a roller coaster. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Isn't it? Everybody's life is. Yeah, yeah, this is I'm like on the edge of my seat. Tell me. Yeah. So um, what happened was my family didn't want me to go to cooking school. I really didn't want to be a chef. I was just good at it. I just enjoyed it. And um, I didn't know actually what I wanted to be in general. I didn't know if I wanted to, I definitely didn't want to be a doctor, lawyer, all that kind of stuff, which my family is very, very, was adamant about it. Very mm-hmm. typical Asian culture. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but like I wanted to, in a way, appease them. I've always appeased my parents and my family because, you know, they, they take really, really good care of me looking back. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what I want to do. What can I figure out? What do I want? And then I ended up doing business school. Because I knew for a fact that I wanted to do something for myself eventually. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that it would be. And then I was like, okay, if I don't know what I want to do now, at least with going to business school or a business degree, doesn't matter what industry you go into, it can apply. So off I went, went to business school. Um, and after the first year of business school, I was missing cooking. Because I had, oh. before I graduated... I was cooking pretty much every day, practicing for these competitions, right? And yeah. like going to these like different restaurants to learn techniques and all these things. So I was like, okay, I miss it. And I found myself reading like my cookbooks as well as my um, my. I was I was reading my cookbooks and watching Food Network way more than my business books. That's honestly. So I was like, okay, I don't know what to do here. So what <laughs> ended up happening was I searched online, and the university I went to. Um, Wilfrid Laurier University. It's this in this little city called Kitchener Waterloo, and there's actually two universities and a college there. Um, it's like a really crazy party town. Um, okay. Really, yeah. No kidding. Really, good time. <laughs> really great times. But I then searched and I realized that that college, Conestoga College, had a culinary program. So on my day off from school, from business school, I went over with my backpack, about to go to uh, business school. And I was just walking through the halls and then a teacher comes out and she's like, Hey, get back to class. Aren't you supposed to be in class? And I was like, I'm sorry. Sorry, miss. Like I'm not a student here. And she's like, Oh, what are you doing? And so I told her like, sort of, I'm just like, uh, I like to cook. And I was just saw you guys at the program. And then she's like, you want to, I have like 15 minutes. Would you like to get a tour? So she gave me this tour and like, she gave me some brochures and stuff. And I left with all this information. And literally the next day I signed up. Oh, wow. So it was like meant to be. Sort of. But and then so I signed up. And then that following September, I started my second year of business school. And then my first year of culinary school. Oh, man. So you were two at once. Yes, I did two at once. And look, a lot of people was like, you're crazy. You went to university and college, you did two separate programs. And you graduated. How the hell? Like, are you insane? And I look back and this sort of ties back into sort of my cancer thing, which was that cancer was like the hardest thing I'll ever go through. And right. I was like, because of that, this is like nothing. And I enjoyed the cooking aspect of it. And it was a nice break from business school. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of the spiel of how I got into culinary school. And then when I graduated, I ended up um, graduating both together and I needed to figure out my life. At that moment, I still didn't know what I wanted to be per se. 
mm-hmm. um, which led me to competing on, on that skills competition. I went into culinary uh, college and I went to the professor. I was like, I know you, I know there's a skills for college. I want to compete. I want to compete. And then I remember the teacher's like, okay, slow your roll. Who are you? And like, there's other, we have to give other students some, some opportunities as well to figure to decide who it is. So I was like, okay, cool. Cause I was so fired up of losing in high school. Yeah. So I went and I ended up doing it again. And uh, I placed third, I placed third, uh, in Canada and I lost by a point and I lost by a point because I had One point. Be, yeah. And it was because I had, my station was so clean and immaculate and like my aprons, my uniform, all of that where I had a speck of like, I was butchering some duck and I had a little like piece of duck that stuck to my apron. So it's this like little red dot that's like on this super pristine white uniform and they docked me that, right? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll never forget it. You'll Uh, never forget that. And that's so, that doesn't surprise me at all that you're like such a neat freak and like very like meticulously cleaning things. Like that doesn't surprise me at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, when I, when I ended up graduating and I was like, okay, I don't know what I want to do, but I was really into modern, modern cuisine, sort of avant-garde molecular cuisine. It was at that time. That's yeah. sort of Yeah. And the Alinea yeah, era yeah, of like, yeah, the heyday. Yeah. Yes. That's where all the Michelin star stuff started coming. So I really wanted to work at these places and I didn't know how to, but I wanted to. And I would like in between my business classes, I'd have like a, a little document I'd open up and it'd be like best restaurant in the world. And I'd like write like Michelin stars everywhere. And um, I, I ended up saying, all right, what are some restaurants that I want to work at? So I went, I took the Toronto list and I took, there's a list in Toronto of the top 10 restaurants that year. So I took that list and I applied to every single one of them. I applied to every single one of them, asking them for a job. Um, I eventually got one at, um, a place called the Allegro. They're like seventh in Ontario, uh, Toronto at that time. And after that, I was like, I want to keep on improving. And then I was like, okay, that's, that's like local. Let's go to the world. Mm-hmm. So then I wanted to go to Noma and I wanted to go to Linear. Those were like the two places that I wanted to go to. Yeah. So I applied and sent emails and it was like months, months before I heard anything. And I remember a Linear replied back in October of my last year of, of university and I accepted that. So I was like, okay, perfect. That's amazing. And then Noma replied, literally, this is how much, how, like, how much I remember it. December 24th, 11.57 PM. What? You remember to that extent? I do because I was at home after business school and everything. I was in the living room with my, with my mom and dad. They were watching TV. I was on my laptop and then the email comes up and I might open it and it's from Noma. And then it's like, Hey, uh, you know, the whole thing, we, we'd love to give you, um, a position, uh, to stage. And I was like, Oh my God, like, you know, like insane. And then suddenly it then hit me where I'm like, I am broke AF. Like <laughs> I'm a university student and a college student. And now I just like, I'm saving money for Alinea. How the hell am I going to go to Noma? So, right. this, so then this became my next sort of like couple weeks of figuring what to do. So, um, I ended up making, I ended up, um, fundraising at, at school. So I did a charity dinner at the college. And then because of the two programs that 
I was able to talk to the program advisors and the counselors of like, hey, like, I've got this class here. I've got this here. Can we like move things around like so that they're not clashing on my exams? And once we had the finals exams, then I realized all my breaks was when everybody else was studying for their exams. And then when I had my exams, everybody was on the break. So I was like, what if I, what if I sell food out of my dorm? Oh my gosh. So at that time, the place that I was living at was literally like a stone throw away from school. So I was like, okay, I can probably like, and people at that time sort of knew that I could cook. They didn't know I can cook, cook, but they knew that I like, I competed on skills and I was like, okay. So I ended up doing pulled pork sandwiches for one time and then tacos for another time. And I sold out both of the, both of them. And those two things, the the pop-up and the charity event was sort of how I got my ticket to uh, Alinea and Noma. So that was sort of the, the thing. And then, yeah, that's, that's how that happened. And when I was over in Noma, Renee introduced me to David, um, David Chang, because he was filming Mind of a Chef the first time. And we started this little introduction. And then Renee goes, well, so you know that like he's, David's opening a, a Momofuku in Toronto. And that was like the first time I knew. So I was like, what are you talking about? Insane. And then we started chatting. And then David's like, yeah, like if you want a job, give me a, if you want a job, give me your um, resume and email and we'll figure it out. So then after I grad, after I did my massage at Noma, I came back to Toronto. We graduated from university and college. Then I went and I opened up Momofuku Toronto. All right, real quick, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Hot Dish Productions, an award-winning modern culinary production company specializing in creative digital video, photography, and podcast production. From concept through post-production, Hot Dish creates and produces compelling food stories that ignite the chef in all. Hot Dish Productions has deep connections to award-winning and celebrity chefs and over 20 years' experience. Their team has won both a James Beard Award and an IACP Award for their work in food media. Hot Dish Productions delivers the highest quality product at a fair value. Let them help tell your culinary story today. Explore their work and learn more at hotdishproductions.com. So that's like an amazing story, Wallace. It's like such the the grit and like dedication that you had in like putting this all together and like making this career for yourself is just like truly inspirational. And how would you say like, as you moved through that whole process of, you know, trying to set up those stage internships and the culinary school and the college all at the same time, all this stuff happening at once, when did you kind of realize like, okay, this is it. Like I, this is going to be my career. Like I'm doing it. Like you started competing on shows. Like when did this all kind of click for you? Yeah. So after I did Noma and Alinea and I graduated, I opened up Google Toronto and it was actually there that because the team was all like American, they're all from like Co and et cetera, that it was Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving Canadian time and uh, American. And we were sort of just thinking about holidays and 
I remember we were chatting, like, what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? And then the chefs were like, I'm going on vacation um, or I'm going to go spend it with uh, a friend. And then I was like, what about family and all that kind of stuff? And they're like, well, I haven't spoken with my family for years or like, it's so short. They live somewhere else. There's no point in me flying for a day and then going to see them for just like a couple hours and leaving. Um, and that really, really was like the final thing for me where I was like, damn, even, even like these guys who are, you know, the top of the top there, there is like lacking of some of the things that we, that I would personally want in life. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was when I made that decision of, okay, being a chef, especially being a chef at this caliber and cooking the food that we do, it doesn't align with sort of my life views now, especially after cancer, where I was like, I'm like with cancer, it was the whole YOLO. Like I'm like, I, I literally, I'm like, if you have an opportunity, go for it. Because that day when I was told that I had cancer, I really thought I was going to die. I was like, Oh, this is it. But it was also like, this is it. I did nothing. Oh my God. Yeah. So, which is why I was like, okay, if there's things that don't allow me to do something, it's just not worth it. It's I, I know better now. So I actually gave in my, I handed in my resume, but it was not two weeks because we also just opened. So I was like, I'll leave whenever we train someone um, to replace. Because at the time it was Momofuku Shoto is like a tasting menu and there's only four of us. Okay. So like each, every time someone like is sick or something, we don't hire anyone new. Like we just take over the work. Um, oh, wow. So I had to, we had to find someone to replace and everything. And I left after I think three months, three months. And when I left, I was like, okay, what do I want to do now? I, I knew that I still wanted to cook. I just didn't know how I can still be a chef without being in a restaurant. Because everybody mm-hmm. there was like, what are you going to do, Wallace? Going to like sell sandwiches or like, you know, like go teach. And <laughs> uh, funny thing enough, I was like, you don't have to be a chef in a restaurant to be a good chef. You just got to cook delicious food. And that sort of became this thought, this like drive for me. And, um, I actually did ended up going, um, teaching culinary class. So I yeah. did culinary class cause it was part-time. So like it was pretty flexible. And then, um, chopped happened. So chopped happened. I saw the application. I was like, Hey, I was really itching to cook. And I was like, I really, really wanted to cook like great food. And I was like, I also needed the money cause I don't, I didn't have a job except for that part-time cooking job. So I was like, right. I love 10 K as well. Um, and this would be able to prove like that. I still have it. It was a little bit to prove to people, but it was also proved myself that, Hey, look, I can do, you can still cook outside of being in a restaurant. Um, and yeah, so I, I one chopped and then from there sort of that kept on going and it helped me sort of develop myself in regards to my first sort of media thing. Um, and then all while this was happening, I was competing. I was competing in bodybuilding and fitness. Um, and people would start calling me like the cooks and chefs would call me, you know, the, the, the muscle chef, the flexing cook. Um, and then my, my bodybuilding and competing friends would call me the flex, the, the muscle chef or the fit chef. And my marketing and branding side of me goes, okay, none of these are good. These are, <laughs> these are like disgustingly horrible. Marketing this. So then I ended up choosing six pack chef. So I, we came up with six pack chef because Everybody knows sort of what six pack is. Everybody knows what a chef. And at that time for me, it was like very much showing people you can live a healthy lifestyle and eat amazing food. Um, and which is why now I can't be out of shape because it's way too expensive to rebrand. 
<laughs> that's so true. Yeah, you'll lose everything. That's your, probably your number one motivation. Oh, oh my yeah. god. Yeah. So like at that, so then once that was happening, I kept on starting building and and I tasted a lot of things. So like what people see me now, Six Pack Chef, as uh, sort of a content creator, a media agency, and was never like this. I tried meal prep. I did personal training. I did private events. I did culinary consulting. I also tried cooking. Um, I also started tried doing uh, food products. I tried and tasted everything, um, and it's sort of been this over development of the years of tasting and figuring what worked, what didn't work, what I liked, what I didn't like, to then now be sort of where I am now, where I've been able to have this platform of socials, of TikTok, of Instagram, of YouTube, of just general media, to be able to reach out to people, to reach out to people and tell my story. And the more and more I found is that people resonate with me because of the fact that, yes, I can cook amazing food, but it's also that I can show people you can still live a healthy lifestyle, you can still balance and, you know, you can also be able to, if you want, go strive and like shoot for the moon and try to launch restaurants or businesses or products. Um, and that was it. And all in between that was where Top, uh, Top Chef Canada came in. So Canadian Top Chef Canada, after season three, it stopped. Like it was done. Like we no one, no, there was no budget and everything. I was so <laughs> I, was like, I would have loved to come because I'm a big Top Chef fan. Yeah. And I was like, man, I really, really wish I could have done it. And then they ended up bringing back season four. And I was like, oh, it's back. But I, I knew I didn't, I wasn't confident enough to be on there. because so I'm like, these are like the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so season four came around, season five came around, season six came around. Um, and everything, it was just like there. And finally, season seven came around and someone sent it to me. Um, and asked me to do it and it's like, Hey, you might, you ever think of doing this? And I looked at it and I looked at it and I remember I filled it up like three, four times and then I never, and I just never sent it in. And then until the last day, literally it was due at 12 a.m. 12 a.m. I sent it in at like 1150 and I was like, Oh, it's there. Okay, let's go. I did (laughs) push it in and I eventually got the got like the first call and the whole process of casting and everything but it was an uphill battle though it was an uphill battle to get onto the show because i didn't cook in restaurants i haven't cooked in restaurants for like six years at that time so the the producers and and the and the production company they're like why should we give you this prestigious spot from another chef who cooks on a daily basis cooks all the time knows amazing food and i had to tell them it's because i don't work in restaurants that makes me really dangerous on this show. I don't have, I'm not coming onto the show with recipes for, that I've cooked and trying to fit it into a quick fire or a or elimination challenge. I'm coming in with an open mind and go back, going back to like sort of freestyle thing is I'm going to see the challenge. I'm going to see whatever it is and I'm going to create a dish specifically for it. And that's something that I don't think a lot of chefs can because when you work in a restaurant or you're cooking someone else's food, you're always in that constraint. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was so fun to be able to be on that show and show people. I think that was a really big cherry on the Sunday to show people, look, I haven't cooked in restaurants for six years. I'm coming on to the most prestigious cooking show in Canada. And I'm, I made it to the finals. I made it to the finals. And that says a lot. It says a lot that at the end of the day, I'll go back to what I said in the beginning, which is you just gotta, you just gotta cook delicious food. Um, so that was it. 
Wow. Yeah. So ever since then, it's I've just been trying to push that and build that on Six Pack Chat. Oh my gosh. Well, what a, that is truly, truly a roller coaster. That's amazing. (laughs) So you've been working at this for quite some time. And I guess, you know, obviously you have so much expertise and so much experience, but when you're at home, like just cooking for yourself, like how do you kind of approach what's for dinner when it's just Wallace at home cooking? (laughs) Yeah. So if I'm on a diet, it would sort of be based on the diet. And then when it comes to the, like, for instance, right now, like one of my meals is literally, it just says like, you know, 50 grams, I mean, like 50 grams of carbs and 40 grams of protein, right? So, and the protein is like lean protein or fish. And then the carbs is from rice source. And then I'll go from there and then I'll just create things based on that. So the other day I made, uh, I made topoki. I made topoki with, um, with shrimp. Ooh. that's sort of how it goes right and then the flavoring all changes and it's really based on what i have in my fridge and in the pantry there's literally no day where i think the food is the same unless the items in my pantry are the same so that's sort of how i go with it um and yeah wow so and it's usually pretty healthy probably compared to most people but what are some ingredients that you kind of always have on hand in your kitchen yeah i've always got vinegars Vinegars, limes, lemons, acid is is such a key because such a key thing to make things bright. I, I personally have a more um, more acidic palate, if you will, where I like mm-hmm. a lot of fresh flavors and fresh uh, food. I like eating. I like when you can eat a lot of food and not feel heavy and bloated. Um, so I love that. Limes, lemons, uh, vinegars, like I said, um, a, a lot of salts, different salts, whether it's like. Um, mushroom essence, regular salt. Um, I've got cooking mats, flaky salts. Yeah. Uh, what are the fish sauce, uh, MSG. I use all, so I, the food that I eat, honestly, no one knows that if I was to give it to somebody, right. If I, like, if I was to give my regular food to somebody or to serve it to someone, no one would know that it's healthy. And that's the goal. That's, That's what it's all cool. about. Yeah. My, my, I, I say it now where a lot of times when I first started and everybody, when I was competing and everything, people would be like, Hey, look, how can we make healthy food taste good? How do we make it, you know, how does my chicken breast not look like cardboard and like my, my oatmeal not taste like sawdust? Well, vice versa, more so now I've built and I've learned and to show people it's how do I just make delicious food taste healthy? Then wow. it's like a whole different mindset because it's now I tell, I show people, Hey, this food is great. Like whenever, if you look at my content and stuff, I never say this is like low calories, super healthy, whatever. I always start off with just talking about the food, talking about the food, the flavors, et cetera. And then at the very end, the little like cherry on the Sunday is you're like, Hey, look, it's also very low calorie or there's like very low fats, et cetera. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, so that's sort of strategic there. Yeah. So what's your like specialty, your specialty dish that you make at home? I am. So I'm a very basic dude, but I'm a very, I love fried rice. Fried rice is the jam. I think mm-hmm. you can throw so much flavor into fried rice and just make it so fun every time because of so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I, I do really, really great is actually like whole fish. So I love just the very classic steamed steamed like tilapia or, or green bass or striped bass 
with like, you know, sweet soy, garlic, ginger scallions and the little chilies. And yeah, that with like a bowl of, I call it umami rice. So a lot of my rices that I make, aside from just plain jasmine rice, I'll actually season a lot of my rice. So I'll either like cook it with a broth. For instance, the other day I cooked my rice with pho broth. Um, and then I threw like Thai basil and like, you know, all your pho components into that, into that rice. So then my rice tastes like pho. And then, oh my God, that sounds so good. Yeah, I, served it, I served it with a steak. And then, you know, and then you, if you have a little herb salad, then this whole thing tastes like pho, but it's not pho. So oh like that's kind of how it comes through with my mind when it comes to creating meals. Oh my God, that sounds so good, dude. <laughs> I love pho and I love rice. So like I yeah. want both of those things very badly. Um, well, this has been an absolute treat learning so much about you and your story and like your come up. And it's just been really, really awesome to like get to know you and learn about you and kind of watch this all come together for you. And I know you're probably one of the most hardworking people I've ever known. So it's like very, very inspirational. And just like, I hope people listening can like pick up on just kind of like the grit that goes into, you know, kind of making a name for yourself in an industry that's super competitive. And it's just like, geez, I'm like exhausted just thinking about everything you went through. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Alexa, thank you so much. Um, I don't know if you have some time, but I wanted to say something to you after I heard your podcast with Steven. So when I was growing up, my dad, I told you he had the little like fast food Chinese restaurant. Yes. You work on Friday, Saturday nights. And that's actually when taught when uh, Iron Chef would be on Food Network. Yes. So back in the day, there was no like there was only VHS. So my dad asked me to record them. So every Friday, Saturday for whatever one two years, I actually would sit there and watch Iron Chef. So I know all about Hiroki Sakai. And yes! I would always pretend to eat the onion myself to be the champion. So when I heard you and Steven talk about it, I was like, yes, I get it. I totally know exactly what you guys are talking about. <laughs> That's amazing. That's yeah. So you and I fellow Iron Chef Japan nerds. I love it. Yes. Thank you so much, Wallace, for joining me today. That was an absolute pleasure. And thank you to everybody for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Feed Feed. And don't forget to follow Wallace at W26PackChef on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the things. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur has helped you solve that question of what's for dinner, we'd love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from our listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.